Hello, and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today, we are going to talk about finding your sweet spot. What, pray tell, is the sweet spot, Rochelle? <laughs> oh, I'm on deck now. Well, <laughs> here's how I think of the sweet spot. It's your target market that is um, like the crosshatch between the people you serve, right, the problems you solve, and the industry you serve, and then, of course, your specialty. So it's like where all those things come together. Mm -hmm. Okay. And is this so people you serve in industry? So do you mean like CEOs of healthcare companies? Is that like, you know, and, and you're a, I don't know, UX designers or some sort of UX expert. So you look for the kind of overlap in the Venn diagram of those three things? Well, yeah. And you could um, uh, skinny it down even more. You could say CEOs of healthcare organizations that uh, are holding companies or have multiple sites or CEOs who have a vision of how they want to change the healthcare industry. I mean, you know, you just keep slicing and dicing until you find your particular sweet spot. Excellent. Yes. I, so I talk about this all the time with students as well, with sort of slightly different terminology, but for the this, this, this same outcome. And when when we talk about it, it's initially and primarily about marketing. So usually people I work with are generalists. They do anything for anyone. They've got a sort of toolbox of web skills or software skills. And they're like, hey, I can, you know, I can build whatever you want. I can build a doghouse or a mansion or a chair. And, and for anybody, hey, does anybody need anything built with tools? And it's just it's just utterly useless in a marketing context, you know, in terms of having some kind of gravitational pull to, to bring ideal clients to you or to make your website or your other marketing materials stand out from your competitors. So it's a very commoditized position that it's, it, which leads to the, the big symptom that they all have is that they get like maybe one or two leads a year. They don't know where the leads even came from. Maybe somebody recommended them. Uh, and I'm like, I'm like, wh why do you even have a website? It's, it does nothing for you, obviously. You know what? Let's take the website down and figure out what should be on it, and then put it back. Like, no, no, I can't take my website down. Well, it's doing nothing. Well, <laughs> so, yeah. Are, yeah. So my that's a little, sort of long preamble to me asking why, in your opinion, should people look for their sweet spot? It's not just marketing, is it? Well, I, I think you actually just gave a great set of reasons why they should. It, it, it's sure it's marketing, but marketing is just. Um, I think marketing is just taking reality and putting it out there. It's not making stuff up. So um, for the, the person you just described, I think it's the difference between maybe selling a few hours of your time here and there and feeling constantly strapped or finding that right um, subset of your marketplace that really values your skill set. And then you're talking about value billing. I mean, to your point about hourly billing is nuts. Then you're focusing on outcomes for the client and, and they look at you and say, wow, this isn't the guy that can just build, uh, you know, the doghouse, the mansion. This is the guy that can build uh, the specialized bathroom, powder room, okay, you know, on the ground floor uh, with modern architecture, you know, and that's that's kind of where you get to. Yeah, that's that's great. And and so I, I think what ends up happening long term, once you do that, is you actually get better at delivering 
more valuable outcomes to this sort of ideal subset of all the people in the world. So what initially starts out as you just being explicit about the truth, I love how you, I'm glad that you pointed out that you're not just making stuff up. You, you, you know, dear listener, you're actually good at something. And instead of, right, please actually be good at something. (laughs) And of all the, of all of the clients that you've ever worked with in the past, there were probably some that you liked better than others, some that had a better outcome than others, some that, that uh, you had like, you really hit a home run for. And maybe those, those are the kinds of people that you should go after. Maybe there was something about that person that was common across a set of people that you could uh, perhaps, I don't know, hit more home runs. Wouldn't that be nice? Exactly. So how would you find, how do you, how do you help people find who they should uh, focus down on? Well, I wish I could make this sound more magical than it is. <laughs> the outcome's magical, but the process is really simple, which is, you know, you write it down. I mean, what I do is have people literally, you know, sit quietly or listen to music if that's their thing or go for a run if that's their thing. And really think back to those projects that they uh, where they were firing on all cylinders. And usually it's not that hard to remember them. Um, the challenge is as you list them and, you know, you probably have at least four or five and, and, you know, if you're lucky, you've got 10 or 20 or 30 or a hundred. Um, the challenge is to start to figure out what was it about that project that you loved? You know, like I have in my head right now, a project that for me was a turning point um, the, in my first consulting business. And it was a, a CEO of a holding company. And their job was to do spinoffs of other companies. But what I loved about working with her and her team was she, it's like she had no limits. She, she could see forward on what she wanted to do. And she didn't quite care how we got there. I mean, as long as we did it, you know, legally and ethically and morally, um, but she was so encouraging and the, and the, um, the pace was always crazy and I loved it. I did my best work for her ever. And so I think to this day, I look to replicator and, and it's, it's actually not a gender thing. That wasn't the thing about her. It was, it was how she approached the work and how she worked with, with me, how she worked with my team and, and her team. So, so when, when you're thinking about it, you ask yourself, who would I replicate a hundred times over if I could have that project and that client? And then maybe you look and say, okay, so it was project X and I love the work, but I didn't like the client. Then you sit down and figure out why didn't I like the client? What was it that I didn't like? And then sometimes it's easier to say what you don't like than what you do. And you sure. just keep narrowing and narrowing and you you learn to avoid the people that you really don't want to work on or the kinds of projects that just don't fit your strong suit. Mm, yes. So I, that's, I've got two thoughts on there that I think are good to tease out. One is, how do you find people who have a particular mindset? You can't, they don't exactly put that in their LinkedIn profile. Right. Uh, or, or if they do, it's hard to believe. And Uh, The other one is about profitability, because when you're firing on all cylinders like that and hitting home runs, you can charge more because the, the client and the clients will be happy to pay it because you're crushing it for them. And what that allows you to do is be a little pickier about who you work with. Because you you sort of casually glossed over a really important point, or you just just sped by it, which is saying no to some clients. 
Mm-hmm. You know, pro, you know, somebody comes in the door and they say, hey, we'd love to work with you. And you maybe have a conversation with them. And it turns out they're either small thinkers or they're tactical or they have poverty mentality or they're poker players. I, I mean, from a, 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 a pricing standpoint. And you're just like in you're in a position because you were so you've been so profitable with your ideal customers that you can be like, you know what? I, I don't think this is going to be a good fit. Maybe I can recommend someone else that you should talk to. And then the notion of saying no to, to clients is like comically <laughs> <laughs> scary to a lot of people I talk to, but that's, that's one of the, it's, that's the flip side of the, you're not getting enough leads coin and why aren't you getting enough leads? Because you're trying to be everything to everyone because you think that's going to maximize your market. But it, in fact, it's in inverse. I think it's inverse. Like the, the tighter your focus, the bigger your market becomes. It's weird. So, so to the, to the first one, how do you find people or do, do, is that even possible to find someone who has this sort of internal quality that's not always obvious from the outside? Well, uh, I guess the first thing is that there's something that I say a lot, which is that if, if you're not saying no to some clients, you don't have a brand. Mm. So we should all be saying no on some regular basis unless our branding and marketing is so perfect that only our sweet spot clients are coming to our doorstep. There aren't that many people that are really good at it. So how do you identify the mindset? I I think that um, from a marketing standpoint, uh, it's what you put out there. Let's use the website as an example. So if you're after people who are uh, entrepreneurs, snap decision makers, boom, 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 then your website isn't going to have a lot of copy. It's going to speak to that that person. It's going to have declarative sentences. The images are going to be powerful. Um, it's going to be strong on images, light on copy. Um, everything should work. It shouldn't be long. You know, so you start to create for that audience. Um, but then the flip side is, I, I mean, I think you just, I don't know, maybe it's just I've been doing this so long. It's like when you talk to somebody on the phone or you start to email with them, you sort of get a sense for their personality and you just keep digging a little bit. And, you know, I I don't know if this is true for you, Jonathan. Usually my strategy clients, you know, they'll find me one way or the other. Uh, That's a whole nother uh, podcast episode. But when we actually sit down and talk, it's usually about 45 minutes to an hour. And I'll write a proposal for them and then they'll hire me or they won't. So it's, it's really just an hour that I'm talking with them on the phone, but it's all about them and their business. And by the end of that call, I'm usually pretty clear whether they're, uh, whether they feel, what were some of the words you use, whether they feel kind of, uh, cheap, whether they're the poker Mm -hmm. player, uh, whether they're trying, sometimes people kind of have somebody else in mind and they just want to talk to somebody else. Um, and other times, you know, you just feel like, like this is my person, you know, I can't wait to work with this person. So I I, I put a lot of emphasis on that one-to-one discussion piece. Excellent. So there's, there's a, a, a thing that occurred to me as you were saying that when you're describing the website being real punchy and short and declarative, uh, it occurs to me, dear listener, if you've ever been in the situation where you're like, oh, geez, I really need to redo my website. And you just, you're staring at it. Like, I don't know what to write. And then you just talk about yourself the whole time. Like it's mm-hmm. a resume. Mm-hmm. The, the problem is you don't know who you're talking to. That's, I, I honestly believe that there are really just two reasons why people get writer's block. 
One is because they don't know who they're talking to. It's really hard to know what to say when you don't have someone sitting across from you because you get so many cues from them about the, you know, you know, I've written technical books and I have to decide how technical they're going to be. You know, how far do I, you know, do I teach in the book how someone how to double click a mouse? No, that's, that's too low level, but do they understand, do they automatically understand, I don't know, something, something a little more esoteric, like SSHing into a remote server. So those sorts of things, if you don't have a, a picture in your mind of someone you're talking to, it's really, really hard to write. It makes it a lot harder because you're, you're just like all over the place. The other reason, I think the other reason why um, people get writer's block is because they have something to say that they don't, that they don't want to say, like they have something to say, but they're scared to say it, which is a totally different thing. I don't know. I, I don't think that applies, but I, I think the the more common reason for writer's block is because you have no idea who you're talking to. You're trying to talk to everyone at once, which is not, it's just not possible. Like language doesn't work like that. So you'll find that everything gets a lot easier when you do pick a target market um, or an ideal client or an ideal buyer, whatever you want to call it, but like someone, your, your counterpart. But I know from, I, I know from talking to a lot of people that they're just like, they don't have 40 past engagements and they don't have a whole bunch of successful ones, or maybe they have no successful ones or, or they have uh, a bunch of industries that they've worked with that maybe some of them they liked, but they think, eh, it was nonprofit. They don't have any money. I don't want to focus on them. Do you, do you have any sort of tools or frameworks to, to kind of help people think through how they could maybe settle on one or even a, a list of candidate, um, verticals or, or whatever you want to call it, like ideal clients? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot of ways to to get there, but the, the one I like to use, I call it a client avatar. I mean, you can call it a client profile. And mm -hmm. to me, it doesn't matter if you're a solo or, you know, you've got a hundred people working for you. You need to know who your target audience is, who, who's your target client. So um, with client avatars, what you do is you create one, like in my business, I have three. And I've given each of them a name. So I think about them as I'm writing or creating content uh, for anything related to that. And so it's about getting into their heads, which isn't always as easy as we think. So it's it's you want to start to get into the head of that client and think like they do. So the, the way that you do it, and we can put this up on the site, we can give people access to a, a worksheet a brand sheet that they can, you know, work through. And this is a short form. There's a really long form as well. I think the short form is, is good for this purpose. And, you know, there's a bunch of questions on there, but one of the ones that, that I love to answer is that's that, you know, what's the tape in your client's head at 2am when they can't sleep? Like, <laughs> yeah. What keeps what's going on? And so when you, if you do those avatars, you don't have to choose all of them for your business, but you start to see on a person by person basis, because it's not about the company. It's not about the project team. It's the end client, which is the person who paid your bill. Mm -hmm. And it's how they think, what's going on in their head. Um, what are they looking for? What kind of outcomes do they value? And, you know, we all know it, it, whether you've been inside an organization and so you've been sort of consulting inside, even if you didn't have the title of consultant, we've all worked with people, with other people. So you start to think about if you've never had a consulting gig, but you've been inside an organization, think about those things you've worked on. Those are projects. I guarantee you've had some kinds of projects 
that you've worked on and you've had a quote unquote client, even if it was your boss. And so then you start to think about what was in the head of that person. And that's, will start to tell you whether you like that (laughs) (laughs) or you don't like that. And so you could literally, if you wanted to, you could do 10 different um, client avatars and throw them all away except for one or two. Again, I have three. Uh, I don't recommend any more than that um, so that you can really think about who you're talking to. Yeah. I, I, for people who are completely new to these concepts, I, I tell them to pick one because it's just with maybe, you know, now that we're talking about it, maybe it's harder to pick one because it feels like a higher stakes decision, but trying to write, usually when I have people who are thinking of multiple different types, they're a little too radically different. They're like different audiences. I'm like, well, if you want to try to talk to all, you know, both of those audiences, you're going to need two different websites or you're going to need a giant button on the front that says, uh, I am a Silicon Valley startup founder who has my series B funding lined up, or I'm a dentist. It's like, (laughs) okay, those are completely different. So I, I, you know, well, maybe I feel like, yeah, go ahead. I was just gonna say, maybe the way to think about it is I, I totally agree with you in terms of how you run your business, but when you're trying to figure out what that sweet spot is, it might be really helpful to to do different ones. And then, like you said, maybe they, they throw the dentist one out or they throw the <laughs> other one out and keep the dentist. But if, if you don't get it down, sometimes it's harder you know, to realize that there, you, you do have choices, maybe more, a lot more than you think. Right. So I, I'm curious, once you've gone through this exercise with someone and they've got it, they're feeling pretty confident that they've got a good uh, client avatar chosen. What just tactically, what are some of the next steps that you would have them take? Is it, you know, do they try and set up phone calls with these people, do market research? Do they go straight to the website and start, you know, modifying the website to suit this particular audience? What are some of the really early steps people can take? Well, I sort of think it depends on where they're starting. So if you're just creating a business, then I think you want to do some research and make sure there's a market there. Right. So, so the example you used earlier about the not for profit, I mean, not for profits do have money to spend. Um, the question is, do they have money to spend in what you're doing and do they value that? So, I, you know, I'd say you want to do some research in that. If you've already been consulting for a while, even just a few years, then I think, you know, you've got a track record. You have something you're working with. And and I think I'm biased in this a little bit because when people come to me, it's typically that something isn't working in terms of how they're marketing and, and branding themselves. So I, you know, I, I'm my, my view of this may be a little bit skewed, but I look at that and typically it's really just about honing what they're already doing, honing the message, honing the market. So it could be a, you know, a project that I just finished for strategy. The very next step is we're doing the website because we knew the website was kind of a mess going in and we knew it had to change. So that's the first thing we're doing. Um, in, in another case, when we finished strategy, um, the gentleman just went out and changed all of us, didn't change his website at all. That was for later. He went out and worked on his social media and he got his, he actually got his first client before we were completely done because he changed how he was presenting himself in social media. And then for others, it's really all about the, you know, kind of the boots on the ground. I need clients. I need revenue now. And it's really working on what do you say to those people? Um, you know, kind of like some of your email series, Jonathan, where you talk to people about, uh, about your experience um, talking to credit mm-hmm. unions. 
it's it, it really mm-hmm. depends on where you're coming from, whether you want to build that business or whether you you have a core business that seems to be working. You're just maybe adjusting the message and then putting it out there digitally so that you can build your pipeline. Yep. Yeah. You you hit on the three things that I think are not necessarily all going to be done at once. So mm-hmm. for me, once somebody has that kind of uh, audience, then to me, it's like you, you're going to update your, you know, your website, basically that's your marketing materials these days, uh, or s- social, some combination of your website, social media, and some variety of, of cold outreach or not cold necessarily, but outreach. Right. So you've got this new message and, you know, I work with some people who haven't left their job yet. They're planning to, but they haven't yet. And they want to work with me so that when they do jump out the odds of it, you know, them landing on their feet right out, right out of the gate is highly likely. So they'll say, well, I can't, I don't really want to update my website yet because, you know, I don't know if that's going to scare my employer or make them mad or get me fired or whatever. So, okay. So let's, let's define this uh, audience. Let's, you know, talk to them on the phone, reach out to them. Don't don't change anything. Don't change your website. Don't change your social media profiles, but do start sending out emails to your network, you know, friends, family, uh, you know, whatever, colleagues, past clients, if you have them or, or uh, whatever, everybody, you know, send out these things, say, Hey, I'm looking to do some research into this particular audience to see how the internet intersects with my uh, skill set see if there's anything uh, interesting there. And a lot of people are surprised, but guess what? People are nice <laughs> and, <laughs> they are. and they are happy to help you. And they, a lot of them have no one to talk about their work to. Their spouse is sick of it or doesn't get it or doesn't care. Not in a bad way. It's just like enough already. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, it's just not their thing. There's just nobody, nobody really uh, has a good outlet for, you know, just talking about the kind of inside baseball nuts and bolts of their job, like the place where they think they're really operating in their genius zone. And it's kind of like all trapped inside of them. So usually they're happy to talk about it with someone who's interested mm-hmm. and is a good listener and they'll completely spill the beans. And, you know, it might be that it might be that you find, well, there really is no overlap. There is no sweet spot here or the the sweet spot is different than I thought it was, but I can still fulfill that role. Or they might sort of say, well, you know, credit unions maybe are a little too behind the times. You should try maybe mutual insurance or something. Not that they're. they're more more cutting edge but uh, but so you know you can honestly you can start to have all sorts of it makes it very easy it i was going to say easier but it actually does make it very easy to start to have the kind of conversations you need to start having to hone your message and to to even if you know what you do you need to find out how they talk about it because they're going to have different language for what you do because you understand what you do a lot better than they do and they're going to have these sort of skewed sort of off kilter terms for the same thing which makes exactly. sense to them exactly exactly you know that's a, that's another really good point jonathan because part of this over time is developing a language that that you use mm-hmm. and these concepts is how you build thought leadership it's how you build content it's how you build a reputation but you have to start somewhere which is how does your target market slash audience talk about these things it's huge mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah it's like it's, seth godin talks about it all the time in terms of empathy and you almost can't get started doing any any what I would call modern marketing, non-interruption marketing or permission marketing, you almost can't even start it 
without empathy. It's not going to be that effective if it's not empathetic. And you can't have empathy to people who you don't know or understand. So there is this piece that maybe you, like you said before, it depends on where people are coming from. If they have a lot of experience with their audience and it's a, it, it's, you know, they get it, they're one of them or they were one of them or they're embedded in the area, then it's going to be pretty easy. That person's not going to have to do as much background work. Uh, if you are just completely clueless, you're new to this, or you're, you're picking an audience that you uh, have never been a part of for some reason, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's, it's a lot more work. It might not even be a good idea. You know, maybe you're picking them for the wrong reasons. Like, why would you pick a group of people? Why would you choose to serve a group of people who you know nothing about? It, it almost doesn't make sense. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I'm just sort I of, go just sort of saying like, right. And, and the, the, there's a, what I'm trying to get at here is that there's this, this sense of like, oh, I have mastery of my craft, therefore it has to be valuable. That's not the case. It's not going to be valuable to everyone. Some people are not in a position to benefit from your mastery of some skill uh, because they just don't, it just doesn't apply to their life. So picking someone who, finding someone who does value it, uh, if you don't know who that audience is, it can be a lot of work. That's all I'm getting down to. And, and you can't really do any, you know, to start working on your website, let's say, or your marketing materials or new business cards, or even your LinkedIn bio, it's sort of a waste of time and really hard. Again, you get the writer's block. Uh, It's, it's kind of a waste of time until you understand and have at least a connection with this, this group, you've found your sweet spot. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's a process. It, It really is a process. And I think that, um, you know, if you're really starting from scratch, you start with the smallest common denominator and maybe it's just a LinkedIn page and that's where you start and you experiment there and you talk with people and you start to build your, your clientele. Um, I think a lot of people, I just got an email this morning from somebody on my email list saying that, you know, everybody talks about when you already have this big um, client base to work from. And he's new at this. He's just created a company. And his question was, so where do I get the clients? You know, how do I do this? (laughs) And he's invested in a website and he's invested in social media and he's invested in, and not just, you know, a website, somebody to build it for him and to write it for him. And, and, And here he is saying, but I'm not any closer than I was a year ago when I first put out my shingle. Yep. That that's the that's a giant hurdle. It's like how do you get over that bit? Maybe maybe that would be a good idea for a show. <laughs> you think? <laughs> we could have some fun with that. Yes. Uh, all right. Is there anything else we should say today about sweet spot? I think maybe that's a good stopping place. What do you think? Cool. Yeah. I feel like we've pummeled them into submission. <laughs> so bottom line is we believe that you have a sweet spot and that it's important you find it. It will save you a lot of time, probably a lot of money, um, and a lot of aggravation the sooner you get there. And um, and Jonathan, let's put up the link to the client avatar exercise. If somebody wants to, wants to tackle that, we'll make it easy for them. Absolutely. Put that in the show notes. Awesome. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. We hope you join us again next week for the Business of Authority. Bye.